Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Today, huh? A great day to be in the house of God. A great day to be in God's presence. So exciting. I feel like God really wants to do some heart healing here this morning. I believe that God wants to just remind us how faithful He is and how steadfast He is, how loving He is towards us. He hedges us around. Many, many years ago, I mean, I'm old. I'm really old. I'm over 50 now. (laughs) I mean, I could almost be put in a relic museum or something. And though my body is expanding and fading away, my heart on the inside gets stronger each day knowing that the promises of God are sure and stable. And the older I get, the longer those promises are fulfilled by God. Amen. But I can remember a song by Bette Midler. And the the lyrics say, God is watching us from a distance. And everyone sort of liked that song and they played it ad infinitum over the radio and people got it in their heads and some people got sick of it and then they'd bring it out again. And, but there couldn't be a greater lie because God is not distant. He's not distant. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And so God is not watching from a distance. For those who call on the name of the Lord, he is as close as the hair is on your head. Every breath that you breathe comes from God. He made the universe in which we live, the heavens, the earth. It is the Lord's, everything above it, everything below it. And that confidence of knowing that God himself has promised to walk with me through the journey is an amazing thing. I want you to picture something. I want you to picture an 11-year-old boy at Easter time waiting to go to the Easter show with his dad. He was living with his mother at the time and his dad had called up and said, Ken, I'm going to take you to the Easter show in Glen Ennis of all places. And it was the big thing. I mean, it's country town. And so I sat and I waited. Like all kids who are excited about doing something, you get up at the crack of dawn, you get yourself ready, and I waited. 10 o'clock came, Dad didn't come. I sat 
and I waited. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I sat and I waited. And I thought about what would be happening at the show. And I remember my mum coming knocking on my door saying, Ken, you better come out. Because your dad's not going to come. And I said, no, I'm going to wait. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. And though the hope began to fade, I still waited. And Dad did not show up that day. And I remember the disappointment that I felt. And many of you, although you may not have come from a separated or divorced family, you've been waiting on something or someone. Some of you are waiting for a promotion. Some of you are waiting for a better job. Some of you are waiting for the interest rates to go up or down. Some of you are waiting for, you know, all manner of things. And the hope is beginning to fade. I remember going to a lot of, you, you can imagine, I needed a lot of psychotherapy and <laughs> counselling and <laughs> psychology and things. And I actually worked in a children's home myself for uh, nearly 14 years. And, uh, 14, four, four years, sorry. And I remember at one social worker session, they were saying, if you could change anything about your life, what would you change? Ask yourself that question. If you could change anything about your life, what would you change? Some people can write a list in a second. And although my childhood was traumatic, and although I still remember, if I choose, I remember what it was like to be an 11-year-old waiting for my dad to take me to the Easter show. Although I choose to remember, I would not change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't wish my life upon most people, but I still would not change a thing. You know why? Because when I turned 12, David Dufty invited me to go to Fun Club with him. And I've done it again. I've kept the music team up. Why don't you go and sit down? Because I could be here for a while. Go and sit down, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Give them a hand. <laughs> so I wouldn't change a thing about waiting. Because when I was 12, David Dufty invited me to go to Fun Club with him. And off I went to Fun Club. And there, I met Shirley Donald, who cared for me, take, took me to uh, youth group, la, la, la. You've heard that story before. And I remember uh, a group coming down from Sydney and they came and obviously they were spirit-filled. And obviously Janet Wade-Main, who is the lady who walked with polio and played the piano with crippled fingers, you know about Janet. So I learnt perseverance and I learnt that there is something greater than what I had at home. And though I put my trust and my hope in my earthly dad, I realised because of the messages that were brought to me through the United Church by Janet Wade, Merle Donald, David Dufty, you name it, any other person that was around, that there is a God who takes care of every single need. And that there is a God who loves us in spite of our circumstances and that whose promise is, surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Why wouldn't I change the fact that I sat and waited for my dad for almost a whole day and didn't go to the Easter show? 
Because because of that, I met Jesus. Because I realised I had a need in my life and I realised very early at my, in my life that I could not trust in man alone. I could not trust in the relationships that were around about me and I could not trust in the future that was supposedly there or not. I'd shifted homes, it was up and down, all manner of stuff. But I learnt through the Scriptures that God is faithful, that God is a God who cares and loves and comes close to us. My favourite verse, I always say this, I can tell you Ezekiel 36, I could pull out about 800 of them are my favourite verses, but one of the early verses that I learned was Matthew 28, verse 20. Jesus came to them and said, and this is before he went to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you even to the very end of the age. Very early verse to put into the heart of a boy who found it very hard to trust anybody or anything. And I latched hold of that and I took that promise and I believed that promise and I trusted in God. And uh, I believe that here this morning, it's time for us again to trust in God. It's time for us to, I'm not saying you're not trusting in him, but, but I find myself, even as an adult, getting stressed about things I shouldn't be stressing about, knowing that God is for me, not against me, that he is my hedge and my protection, and that his promise is, I will walk with you through this, Ken. When I know that, a sense of peace comes. You know, my brother picked me up, not picked me up like physically or in a car, but whenever I'd talk to my brother, He'd say, how are you going, Ken? And Andrew will tell you this because I, I, I'll say it a lot. I used to say, I'm flat out like a lizard drinking. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm busier than a, one man, a, a, a one-legged man in a kickboxing competition. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes you just get to that point where life takes over. And you realise that, you know, oh, gee, the interest rate's got up, gone up. I've got to go and work harder to get more, to pay the mortgage so I'll be safe, so I'll be protected, so I'll be sorted out. I've got to study this, do this, read this, read that. You know, for some of you, you know, you're just, oh, you just... Even right now, you're going, OK, Ken, that's really good, but sitting at home, there's like four loads of washing because it's been raining. And... The enemy so easily distracts our mind from the true centre of who we are. You know, I'll be careful about this because, you know, on the potter's wheel where you've... I'm, I'm thinking of that Whoopi Goldberg. Who's it, Whoopi Goldberg? Who, who's that scene where they do the, the love scene and they, they're, you know... I probably shouldn't have put that in your mind, but erase that, Lord. But, uh, but the thing about being worked on is that if you're in the centre of the potter's wheel, you're not going to get flung off. And I, I found myself at the end of, well, mid-2022 and towards the end, I found myself stopping myself when I answered this phrase. I used to go up to people and say, Marcel, how are you? She'd go, good. And then I'd say, how are things in your world? To find out what's happening with her. And one day, and I still say it, I shouldn't, but I do, and one day the Holy Spirit said, hey, Ken, settle down. I said, hang on. 
Why? He said, it's not Marcel's world. It's mine. I thought, you're right. <laughs> and so I am reluctant to ask that phrase. If I ask it, you can now correct me and say, it's not my world. It's God's world. And I think we get so busy. We get so involved in the things that are around. But if you've got kids, you know. You know. You go from dirty nappies to dirty mouths. You go from dirty, you know, from having to clean up messes because they can't help themselves to trying to stop them from making messes. And it just compacts. And then when they hit, you know, older than that, it's trying to work out where they want to be and how they want to be. And it's just all over the shop. But when we really think about it, it's his world. And if I place myself where he is the centre, it's very hard to get flung off. And if more so I allow him to mould and shape who I am, to massage, pour water on where water is needed and massage me to shape me into what God wants me to be, then I'll be fit for his purpose, amen, and I'll be safe and secure. It's been a difficult year for a lot of people. And I often think, uh, I'm reluctant to say names because I did this at my nephew's wedding, unfortunately. (laughs) We were talking about, we were all at the wedding and we're all having a good time, la, la, la. And then towards the end of it, (coughs) I was emceeing and I got up and I say, hey, listen, I I just want to say one thing. And they all go looking at me, oh, what's he going to say, something funny here? And I said, if Chris, my brother, was here, Jason's father, who had passed away. Everyone, the mood in the whole room went, he would be so proud of you, Jason. And obviously I'm reluctant to say names. Terry, you know, we could list off so many people that have passed in the last little while. The Queen, some people actually mourned about that. I mean, she's been a source of stability for so many people. We don't like change. But there is one who is greater, amen. And though we sense that loss, and though we sense the change, it reminds us, like an 11-year-old boy waiting for his dad, that we should not put our hope in people or things. We should hope in the Lord. For those who hope in the Lord shall have their strength renewed. Amen. Amen. Psalm 33 verse 20 says, We wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Whatever circumstance you face, number one, you're not alone. Number two, we have to humble ourselves before God. We have to understand the earth is the Lord's and everything in us. We place ourselves at the centre of the potter's wheel, understanding it's his glory and his destination for us. Amen. Verse 7 says, cast your your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
Never underestimate that verse. Knowing that God cares for me. We're talking about the king of the universe who cares for me, for you. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows your feelings. He knows the temptations that you face. He knows the fears that you have. He knows the uh, sins that you have done and the sins that you will do. He knows all things, yet he still sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. He still loves with an immeasurable love, a love that goes beyond circumstances, beyond failures. And it's hard to love a good man. It's somebody won't even die for a good man, but Jesus demonstrates his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. The role of the enemy is to cloud the heart, to get us to believe something different, that God has abandoned me, that God is not listening, that God is distant. And if he can cloud the heart, the heart becomes unsettled. When the heart becomes unsettled, we begin to search for something. I was hearing Marcus preach, talking about everybody searching for something. And we have the answer, amen. We have found him. His name is Jesus, who meets every need, who covers every sin, who sets us free, who brings deliverance, who brings healing, who brings us stability, who brings us steadfastness, who, who, who surrounds us with his love. Let's go to Psalm 23. And uh, we often read this at funerals. I don't know why. I mean, well, I know why. We talk about the great chasm, people passing over. But this is a psalm for here, for now. Amen. It's for the living. Amen. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say that. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. I love this verse. You know, Mandy's saying, oh, you've got to go and do some housework now. I was like, oh, hang on. Psalm 23 verse 2 is coming to me right now. Amen. <laughs> then she kicks me off the lounge and says, it's green pastures, Ken. It's not on the lounge. <laughs> Get out and mow the lawn. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. The soul attached to the heart gets weary when the heart is disturbed. You know, you got the troubling in your soul. It's the thing that wakes you up at like 3 a.m. in the morning and you're just stirring and your soul feels, I want to use the word nude or naked or exposed. And in that position, what we tend to do is we cover, we hide, we withdraw. And the reason the Holy Spirit reveals that is to tell us that your heart's not in the right place, Ken. You need to trust in me. So when your soul starts to stir, ask yourself, where's my heart? And when you say, where's my heart? You can say, what am I trusting in? Then you say, those who trust in the Lord shall never be put to shame. 
So I will not trust in myself. I will not trust in the circumstance. I will not trust in somebody else. I will trust in the Lord and the Lord will deliver. Amen. He leads me beside still waters. He restores me. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The other thing that gets alerted when our heart is disenfranchised or unsettled is our mind goes mental. Uh, I shouldn't use that word. I'll get in trouble if I was at school today, but I'm not. Um, But when our heart is not settled, our mind works overtime, trying to fix things, trying to organise things, trying to plan things, trying to work out why. It's a stupid question to work out why. If you find yourself in a circumstance you just don't know, but why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I just get a break? That's the enemy just circling your mind around and around and around. If you've got a why going on right now, I want you to change it to a who. Not why is this happening, but who will walk through me through through to the end. Jesus will, amen. Why doesn't matter. Who does matter. Will I put my faith and hope and trust in God? Once you do that, your mind is set. Once your mind is set, it's now settled and your heart goes back to, I can relax. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Who's got some enemies? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And here's the key verse for today. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. If you're going to be stalked by something, goodness and mercy is the thing to be stalked by, don't you think? Surely Goodness and mercy are coming my way. They are following me. Wherever I go, goodness and mercy are following. And not only will they follow for a short period of time, they'll follow all the days of my life. I was going to read Psalm 71, but we're not going to have time. It talks there about when I was a youth, I trusted in you. And now I'm old and got grey hair or no hair, doesn't matter. It's saying, I still will trust in you. Saying, all the days of my life, surely goodness and mercy follow me and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The benefit of being in a church community like this is that we have the privilege to come and dwell in the house of of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I certainly feel encouraged when I see Jeffrey bouncing around like a jelly bean on steroids, who's loving life and reminds me of a 12-year-old Ken who loved Jesus with all his heart. Once I found Jesus, I just didn't want to stop. I was saying to our headmaster at Tyndale the other day, who's Anglican, I was saying when I was about, so, so once I found Jesus and many of you heard the story about being on the dragster with the warm shampoo, the presence of God around about me. Once I found him, I just wanted more and more and more. 
because that mercy and that goodness was around about me. And I was saying to her, I used to actually go to the Uniting Church in the morning for the 10 a.m. service. I go to the Baptist Church at 2 p.m. Because, and then I go to the Anglican service of the night just to be in God's presence. So I'm well-rounded, not just physically, but also spiritually. <laughs> but, and somebody said to me at the Anglican Church, actually, why do you keep coming to the Anglican Church? I said, it's for the port because of the grape juice. No, no. <laughs> funny story though we were all at the altar you know taking communion there's like 10 people there half of them were over 45 I was like 14 or something and they handed out this cup it was one cup you know what I mean you take a sip and I'm used to the grape juice down at the United Church if I take a swig (coughs) and I'm coughing and spluttering because it's actually port I'm going oh no but I remember after that going to this sort of bible study group and one of the gentlemen there I can't remember his last name. Andrew was his first name. He said, Ken, why do you go to church so much? Like, It's like a weird question, but still. And my answer to him was this, and I still would say the same, because the more of God you get, the more you want. And the more you want, the more you get. The more you won't get, the more you want. The more you want, the more you get. My desire. That's why it says better to be one day in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. Because to be in his presence, to have goodness and mercy around you, there's nothing like it. It does the soul good. It does the mind good. And it certainly does the heart good. Amen. Amen. Psalm 27 verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. God is watching us. And God does care for us. But today, he wants to take it from a distant to a here and now, a personal thing now, so that your heart can be settled, your future can be bright, your past can be redeemed. That's our God, amen. His love overwhelms us. He is the centre of who we are. Our identity is found in him. Our strength is found in him. My flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So if you're feeling like tomorrow looks a little bit daunting, yesterday looks like it needs to be redeemed and Don't even start talking to me about next month. (laughs) I haven't got there yet. I'm trying to live one day at a time. If you're in that position, if you feel like you're being hedged around or the enemy is coming against you, well, God's got a table and he's about to prepare it in the presence of your enemies. And what's he going to serve at that table? Love, goodness, mercy. It's coming your way here this morning. Amen. That's our God. I believe he wants to do that this morning. I want to give him some room to do that. You know, I I wonder, can you just today, don't be too hard on yourself, but don't be too easy on yourself. (laughs) Being easy on yourself says, yeah, I got this. I'm glad Ken's up there rattling on. But yeah, I got this. Me and God, we're okay. Just be careful that's not a whisper from the enemy. 
Be sure that that's coming from a position of faith and not from a position of anxiety. It's okay to let the mask down today. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to have fears. It's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to worry. Why? Because we're in a place where we can put our hope in Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Thank you.